Warning, this is explicit content. There is talk of murder. There is trigger warnings for child death. And so please be aware if you continue onto this podcast, onto this episode, it is a true crime episode. Hi, I'm Chloe. Hey, it's Sydney. And I'm Katrina. And this is Murder Obsessed. So today, our lovely Chloe is going to dive in to who? Gary Ridgway. Um, he is also known as the Green River Killer. Have you guys ever heard about him? I, I have I heard, but I'm really excited to hear the story. Okay. Gary Leon Ridgway. He was born February 18th, 1949 in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, he was a middle child in a family of three boys. Although he was born in Utah, he was raised in Seattle, Washington, though. That's important. Um, with the matriarch family, um, it was said that his mother and father did not have a good relationship. Um, his mother would mentally and physically abuse her husband in front of the boys. So they did not grow up with a healthy view of what a relationship should look like. Um, his father was a bus driver. And he actually um, worked near the Seattle airport, which is also important for later, just got to set some foundation. (laughs) When he was 16, he lured a young boy to the woods and stabbed him. The boy survived. He was really young, like a little boy. Um, Yeah, it's, it's sad, but he lived, but nothing happened. Like they didn't do anything to Ridgeway for some reason. Um, Ridgeway was not a good student growing up, uh, therefore he did not finish high school until he was 20 years old. Dude, 20 was the cutoff, so like, he was just barely there. I have to tell you guys, so I was 18 my senior year of high school because my birthday's in November, so I was like, you know, like the oldest in my class, but I have this reoccurring nightmare and I'm like 25 (laughs) still in high school. And like, I'm stressed about it because all my friends have graduated. I don't know what kind of deep, dark something that that means, but I don't want to find out. I had that in college. When I was in college, I would dream that I was like forced to go back to high school. And I'm like, no, I already graduated. I'm in college. Right? That's when I read that, I was like, man, like that must have felt weird because I'm 19 now. I'm not even 20 yet. And I graduated in 2020. So, like, that's just so weird to me. Like, 20 years old, almost 21, hanging out with, like, these children, basically. I don't know. Okay. Um, Once he graduates, he joins the U.S. Navy. Um, He is stationed in San Diego in 1970, where he meets and marries his first wife. Um, It did not last long, though, because he was immediately assigned a six-month tour, where she then cheats on him, and then they divorced in 1971. So, I do, I want to say, first off, I'm proud that he didn't drop out. I know that he eventually becomes awful and evil, but like for the kid, I'm proud that he kept at it because most Mm -hmm. kids would not keep at it and push at it to their 20 to graduate. Yeah. And um, also um, feeling sorry. You can feel sorry for the child. You can feel sorry for the youth, not the monster they become. Anyone who cheats on their their, um, spouse in the military who's like serving is like, that's, that's awful. Like to do the that, lowest, is the low. you just can't get me on board with cheating, man. Like, it, if you 
want to sleep with someone else just leave me like I would prefer you just go oh yeah oh yeah Yeah, just like let me know be like hey yeah hey this is how I'm feeling peace see you later yeah yeah Yeah, don't let me find out from someone else Mm, right that would be the worst case because I'll be on a rampage at that point right (laughs) especially when you're in the military and you're like serving you know like he met her while he was in the military so it wasn't like they were married and then he was like oh hey I'm gonna go join the military that's just what she signed up for when she married him that's awful um so he finishes his tour and then he um after he finishes he tries to join the police but he fails he doesn't pass the I think he doesn't even make it past like the first like test like you know how they do the testing civil service tests yeah yeah like he how did he get in the navy then because i feel like at that point they were accepting literally like almost anybody okay well i mean tyler was in the air force and i feel like his ASVAB scores were decent but when he first took civil service like that there was no real way to prepare for that he says which i don't know anything about it but it was kind of just one of those things like if you know this stuff you know this stuff Mm -hmm. and if you don't you're just screwed yeah yeah so instead of the police he just gives up on that he doesn't pursue it he finds a job customizing truck paint jobs and he likes this job he says it's high pressure and he's very well suited for it which i i don't i don't know what it entails but um, yeah in 1973 december he marries again Um, He has a son two years into the marriage, and at first it seems like this marriage is more stable and it was a lot healthier than the first marriage um, from the outside, but um, he develops an interest in, in, I'm going to butcher this, evangelical Christianity, which I don't know what evangelical, like, means to him the deepest extent, but basically Christianity, where he even attempts to save his coworkers and neighbors. Like he would be out in his yard and he would see his neighbor and he would be like a Jehovah witness, basically. So wait, Um, wait, wait, let me get this straight. Does he, you know, obviously coming from a Christian background, does he think he can save? Is this like a God complex? Like he thinks like evangelical is like, like the preachers on TV, a lot of them are like considered like evangelical which yeah I feel like I'm really butchering that too um I'm gonna look it up and see what exactly is that what does that mean from the context it seemed like he was like the key to helping like he could help save all of these people yeah it's the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness so like instead of just like becoming a preacher and like preaching at a church evangelical like, like the Jehovah's Witnesses, like you said, they're going to go out and like, they're the ones you see preaching on the corners, preaching on anyone TV. that would listen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, until in 1980, July, his second marriage begins to fail and they get divorced. I didn't see like an exact reason why they just got divorced and he didn't like shy away from his obsession with christianity but it definitely took like a back seat on the stove it was on the back burner she was still doing that but like more important matters at this time <sighs> uh, this is where he begins to lose it two marriages failed he's not happy 
he begins to frequent prostitutes and then where he was even accused of choking a prostitute at Seattle's airport strip where his father worked. Um, in 1982, he was even arrested after having attempted to solicit an undercover policewoman. So he's getting some bad habits. Uh, that same July and August, five bodies were found in the Green River. They were all Ooh. aged 16 to 31 years old. By April 1983, 20 girls and women were gone. Holy. Okay, so my question is, is, are they, like... Are they all like prostitutes, runaways, high risk, or pretty much a mix of all? Okay. Prostitutes were the easiest ones for him to attain because they would they were willing to get into his car and stuff. Yeah. He didn't have to lure them. But yeah. it gets more to that later. Um, and this is where we have like our first run-in really with them. Um, Marie Malvar, which I might be butchering that as well. Um, was a prostitute that went missing. She was found um, later on, but her boyfriend watched her get into a dark colored truck and never saw her again. And um, a few days later, he sees the same truck and he follows it back to South 348th Street, where he sees the truck in a driveway and calls the police. Um, of course, this was the home and truck of Ridgeway. So wait, and, wait, wait, um, wait, 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 we missed a step. Hey. 911. Um, my girlfriend's a prostitute. What? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, God, that sounded super judgmental. I'm just, <laughs> I don't mean it like that. I mean, like law wise, I feel like we've, we've missed a step. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to each their own, I guess. Yeah. Like, um, I'm not. That was not supposed to be as judgy as it sounded. I was just. I mean, like if my significant other, if I learned that they were like a prostitute or a sex worker, it would probably be a big adjustment or like just a shock at first. But I mean, I guess that he was just fine with it. And then like yeah. he just watched her get into a truck and go and expected her home and she never came home. And he was like, I got you. I got gotcha. you. Okay um Ridgeway was questioned but nothing further happened like there's no evidence of anything like really it was just the guy the boyfriend's word against Ridgeway's um Ted Bundy even offered his help from prison from his prison cell by making a profile for the killer which I thought was very interesting yeah heard, yeah they, they like were very confused it was like there wasn't really a, any clues or anything it was just these women were appearing in the river and that was that. Like, they didn't really have much technology to, like, do too much at that well, point. So. And also, um, I love, I love, like, Mindhunter and, like, the um, uh, Criminal Minds where Ooh, they do the, yeah, like, the behavior. Like, Criminal Profile. Yeah, the Criminal Profile. Yeah. So, I was watching, you brought up Ted Bundy. I was watching the Chad Michael Murray Ted Bundy. I don't know if you guys have watched that or not. Um, I haven't, but I did see it. American Boogeyman. Yeah. And um, that was about the time that they were starting to be like, let's create this where we can profile these killers. And that's when they were going to these serial killers and interviewing them and getting their psychological. So as weird as it is today that we're like, yeah, Ted Bundy was like, here, let me help you. 
That's mm-hmm. literally how they created the behavioral science unit was to talk. And it was to so psychics. important to have a profile to know the habits and what they would go after. And you know, like I just think yeah. it's interesting. Right. And they couldn't really make a profile for this for this killer because they all they had was the end result. Yep. And it wasn't that narrowed down. It was very it was many ages, many different looking women. Yeah. Um Ridgeway was given from when they found like this was from when they questioned him, they gave him two polygraph tw- tests, which don't really hold up, but they still did it. And um, he passed both times. So they were just like, I think we're at a, I, they don't think he's involved in this. So they gave up on him then. They always weasel out. We always come back to that. <laughs> uh, Ridgeway marries for a third time. And this woman's name is Judith Mans- Malson. Malson. Judith Molson. This marriage was also happy in the beginning where it seemed like um, his coworkers and friends said that it seemed like he treated her like a queen. But by 1986, it seemed like the green, I'm going to choke my words here, like the Green River Killer had halted the murders. They weren't discovering new bodies. It just froze. They were still, I was getting ready to say, dude i want this guy's energy level because he's like courting women getting married yeah killing people too i was like how has he got time for all this because i barely got time to work and cook dinner yeah he has like basically a second a double life but a not good one um the bodies the bodies that they were finding they could tell that they weren't new they were from their decomposition they could just tell that they were from before so a big stop in the, the crime. Um, the search did continue, though. They didn't stop looking just because the murder stopped. Uh, but it only seemed to have that one piece of evidence that led back to Ridgeway was the boyfriend saw mm-hmm. the truck. So in April of 1987, Ridgeway's home was searched and a DNA sample was taken. So, like, they were trying it again. By 1991, which is getting closer... A whole nine years after the task force begun its search, it was reduced to one single person. Aww. So a lot of people gave up find, on finding him. And this was crazy to me. $15 million went to the search of the Green River Killer. A whole lot of money. And it was reduced to one person. So the case went dormant for a whole decade until 2001 when a new sheriff took over. And... Um, he, they had a new testing method of DNA. They used it on the sperm found on the bodies, and then they compared it to Ridgeway's, and it was a match, of course. Um, this semen was found on four of the victims, uh, Marcia Chapman, Cynthia Hines, Opal Mills, and Carol Ann Christensen. Um, November 5th, 2003, Ridgeway pleaded guilty to aggravated first-degree murder of 48 women. My gosh. Yeah, it jumped. This whole time, he's been killing women and dumping them in the river in various places. But because of this, he did not get the death penalty, sadly. Why didn't he get the death penalty? Because he, like, pled guilty? Did he, like... Yeah. um, one that, one that fact that I, I remember, and it's, it's from another case, um, the, I remember reading about how um, the police were trying to get 
the newspapers to stop calling him the Green River Killer because he started putting some of his bodies elsewhere. Like, uh, yeah, I wrote a note about that. He um, he realized that the police were getting onto him and they were going back to the river, so he wanted to throw them off by dumping a couple of the bodies in just random places. Some correlated to where his brother lived. I can't remember what state it was, but he dumped one there just to throw them off. So he crossed state lines? I think so. I don't know, though. That always makes it federal. That always brings in the FBI. He did receive 48 life sentences, though, for each life that he was convicted of with no parole. So he's there for a while. Did he, still did he plead guilty to, like, did he say, like, okay, guys, these are all the people I killed, or was 48 all that they could, like, spin on him? Uh, I think it was a mix of both. Like, I think he tried to remember, but he said that once it got to a certain point, he couldn't rem- remember the names and faces and stuff because there was just so many, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But it is believed that Ridgeway murdered seven, 71 girls and women, like in oh. total. That's there's like a bunch, there's a couple that are unnamed that were just so gone that they couldn't tell who it was. But they only got him of 48. Um, they do have a big list of the names and then the two unidentified uh, Jane Doe's that I Googled. And there it was just some of them were just like little girls like teenagers it was just crazy and then this is how Ridgeway murdered his victims uh the women were mostly sex workers and runaways uh Ridgeway would sometimes show the women a picture of his son to gain their trust and to sympathize with them um they would engage in sexual activities and while they were doing the deed Ridgeway would wrap his forearm around the front of their necks and use his other arm to pull back and strangle them Um, Okay, right there. Red flag, ladies. You are not a dog. Doggy style ain't it. They can take (laughs) you from behind. No. Always be ready. Always be ready. I just, yeah. That (laughs) arm, like, that arm gets around, like, you feel that arm coming around your neck. Mm, Nope. Headbutt. Headbutt. Yeah, like, pull out some karate Yeah. Listen, I'm just suggesting to all of our listeners that they get uh, that karma sutra book and just completely you know cut that doggy style crap out it is not yeah. good for anybody cut it out cut it out find a new favorite for real <laughs> he would murder in his home truck or a secluded area so my question about this i didn't really see much more about it he was like married a couple times and none of his wives like ever noticed like hey something like there's another person here you know what I mean? I, mean, I, I, know, with, I, can see. I know with like, my husband, like, and this might be weird, but like, we almost always know where the other person is, you know? Yeah. Like, if um, he's at work, I know he's at work. If I'm at the gym, he knows I'm at the gym. Like, well, me and my work in the same place. So if I come to work and he says he's at work and he's not there, <laughs> big red flag. Well, <laughs> like, hold up. Um, me and Tyler and my mom too. It's not just us. So it's not like some freaky control thing. But he's a cop, so he doesn't know what, where he'll be, you know, that something could happen. And I go places by myself a lot, out of state and everything. So we all are on a family share plan, like an Apple, you know, like where you pay so much a month and you can download whatever music 
but like I can find their phones maybe that's not of course I'm sure like I don't remember when you said this was so probably that's out of the question but like I can literally even find my mom I'm like oh you ain't gonna answer your phone for the light of your life calling to tell you about the chicky nuggets I just had five thing I think that's what that's called you know what I'm talking about yeah Uh, well well even so like my husband he has he lost his phone in the middle of the woods one time and I had to log in to hit find my phone and I still had it logged onto my phone and so like I mean but even even all of that like I feel like it's generally a normal thing for husbands and wives to have an idea where the other is like even if it's just an idea like if you're not coming home until like 2 a.m. or I go to bed and wake up and you're there and you weren't when I went to bed like where you been like, or, so like it's like such a big span of time and like if I wake up in the middle of the night like for the dumbest reasons I'll wake up and be like where am I but if I <laughs> like my boyfriend would not be in the bed or husband I would be like where are you like, yeah get well, home <laughs> even in not a time of technology if you say you're going to work like you say you're going to work and you don't go to work a boss is gonna call your house or something and be like hey where are you at and his job seemed like it would have it would have been like a nine to five like a general hours it wasn't like he would be out at 2 a.m doing his job like right yeah I don't know that's it just confused me like because I know the relationships like weren't the best in the world but like even for toxic relationships I feel like it would be even more controlling you know yeah Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah so that is is what it is that is Um, weird which I mean could have been you know psychopath sociopath they're good at covering their tracks you know or I mean yeah you get one of those people and you you know the wife's like where were you what do you mean where were you yeah like I told you you I was gonna be here yeah what are you doing like so I guess mm -hmm. we're all just in healthy relationships like man this isn't healthy to like have your husband just MIA and off I mean like 100 people uh, we're past uh I don't, like Chloe's what 12 years younger than me 10 11 years younger than me so I mean I realize things are different but we're I have children and you have children so I mean I don't know if Chloe and Watt's um comfort level is there but like I'm like Tyler where are you at and he's like I'm pooping you yeah, know i mean like there's no yeah, privacy yeah oh yeah definitely i literally comes home and he's like all right time to go poop <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um his dump sites were the woods around the green river uh and seattle tacoma airport and then the place where his i think it's his brother where he wanted to throw off the police Which i can't remember not, like that doesn't help like that's still connected to you yeah like, it's like oh, that connection pretty back. obvious like Maybe throw it on someone else's brother. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Um, The bodies were often left nude and sometimes in poses. Oh. Yeah. And this part really grossed me out. Um, Sometimes he would return to the victim's bodies and have sexual intercourse with them. And then he later explained, like, he was like, I'm not weird. Um, He didn't enjoy that they were dead, but... um, it did reduce the need of obtaining another living person. So he tried to come out and like clear the air that like, he's not a necrophiliac. He just didn't want to have to go out and get somebody else that would raise his chances of being caught. But it's like, no, it doesn't doesn't make it any better. Do we have a diagnosis here? Because it seems so out there. Like 
if it was just about sex, why did you kill them? Like you could have went yeah. home and had sex with your wife or picked up a pro- a sex worker, whatever the appropriate term is for that. I don't know, but like, what is wrong with this guy? I, I mean, yeah. I'm, like, he has why a lot of discrepancies. Right. Yeah. Well, and I always love when they're like, "Hold up, guys! Like, I'm bad, but like, I'm not a super bad monster." Yeah, like, he's like. It, I just didn't understand why he had to come out and say that. He's like, I didn't like that they were dead. It's like, it doesn't make it any better. Like, you still You're have still killing dead bodies. <laughs> yeah, it's, and you still do it. it I don't understand. Um, and this part I thought was funny. During his court case, um, he listened to the victim's relatives speaking about their loved ones that had died, and he was brought to tears. And I was like, okay, you make me absolutely sick to my stomach it's like, uh, what do you do that? you don't have the right to cry about it in court like you did it own up to it oh made me mad well and it's also like was that real or was that yeah. a show was you know, trying to manipulate like, yeah yeah like I, I was watching a movie today and a person had brain trauma and they couldn't remember things, but they were a bad person. And I was like, dude, I'd make a horrible doctor. Cause I'm like, you're faking it. You're faking it. Yeah, me you're too. I'm it. So, like, I'm so used to people doing that though. Yeah. Like people, especially like YouTubers and social media, they come out and they're like, I have this. And it's like, but that doesn't ex- excuse your actions. No. Nope. Just because you have this mental illness or disorder, that doesn't excuse being a bad person. You know, there's like that just makes you so mad. I've dealt with that in the past. I'm just like I'm always okay. I'm kind of on the opposite end. I mean, yes, do I agree with you? Absolutely. You know, example, my mom was an alcoholic, so I'm an alcoholic. Not my mom's not an alcoholic, guys. She's like the most straight laced person you'll ever yes. meet. Um, but but like just the example, but then at the end of the day, I'm always like, Well, you know, what if this and what if that? And of course, Tyler is that little devil on my shoulder be like no screw them yeah (laughs) but yeah yeah which we need people that see that other side because we need like I mean you're a nurse and that's why I said I would be horrible at being a nurse because my mentality is very different than yours I'm like you're faking it it's not that bad your arm's not really that broke I mean I can listen you know what it is you know what it is it's that time when we were kids when you really wanted glasses and I was like she don't need glasses and then you went and you were like legally blind that really cured me because I told everybody she just wants glasses but you really needed some glasses my mom did too (laughs) apparently like my prescription was so bad the whole ride home my mom was like you're gonna have these huge (laughs) thick glasses they're gonna be (laughs) monstrous and I was like oh my god did I make it was I faking? <laughs> and then I got my glasses and I'm like, holy crap, this is how the world looks. Like, this is what you guys I been saying? Blind. <laughs> That's like me with my cataracts. I'm like growing up, I would have to sit in the front of the, all of my classes and my teachers were like, oh, you're fine. You can sit in the back. And I'm like, I can't see. <laughs> like, can't see. <laughs> I literally just can't see. Well, I forgot where it was. <laughs> that was rabbit a rabbit trail. trail. It yeah, was. Um, so he like faked his guilt or maybe he actually did feel guilty and he, I don't know, but he showed some sort of remorse for his crimes. Yeah. And then now he's still alive. He's in prison. He like, I think he's in, um, what is it called? Solitary confinement. 
because um, there's a lot of people in prison that want to hurt him. Mm. So they just, he's been alone this whole time, which he deserves. Well, and I also feel like, like a lot of serial killers are kind of put in their own, like, they're not gen pop. Like, even in, like, maximum security, like, serial killers, like, are put in a separate place. Because it's, like, yeah. y'all straight dangerous. Like, you're just going to kill everybody. Yeah. So he had a lot of victims. Some that were unaccounted for that didn't get the justice they deserved, but um, he's not getting out of prison. I'll tell you that. It's just it's so awful, like to like take that many lives and to like kill that many people, and and to get away with it for so long. Oh yeah, like it was a long time span. He was like past the point where like oh they're not even looking for me anymore. I'm fine, you know, and like one person held on and then that's all it takes yeah that's all it takes there's one person you know i'm not a um i'm not a capital punishment person but all those people their families i mean how can you imagine someone killing you know all these people and obviously they're probably not trying to rehabilitate him. He has too many life sentences or whatever. He's not ever going to be back out into the public. So there's no rehabilitation goal. So literally, we've just put him in a prison where our tax dollars pay for him to have rec time and three meals a day and a bed to sleep yep. in. And he killed. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not a death penalty gal. So, well, I don't even know how I feel about it. But, but still, that would be infuriating to be you know one of the victim's family members and yeah this guy's yeah. just chilling the the only thing um because um as a teacher <laughs> one of the times that we did argumentative writing we um read about the death penalty and the only thing that i read that kind of like because most of the time especially for like you said like these type of people like death penalty like they yeah like, i'm they completely for the death penalty Especially, like, I understand a lot of the times where it's, like, you do not want to put an innocent man to death. I understand that. But in this case, it's, like, this dude killed, like, 100 people. Like, 100% but, he did it. But There's anyway, no doubt. The, what I read was that death penalty cases cost over, like, so much more amount than lifetime sentences because... Mm they they get by law so many appeals that like it it adds all of these court costs because they get to appeal and appeal and appeal and it's like there's so many times that they can appeal like I feel like it's like 14 appeals that they can do um and they have to run through those before they can do the death sentence and before they can like execute the prisoner so it costs the the city it costs the country whatever so much more because these criminals have these rights to fight which i feel like if you are 100 percent proven that you did that like you should get the same tenfold you I know mean, especially when it's like like these serial killers like which i understand i what he probably did was and what a lot of them do is he bargained like instead of mm-hmm. me dying i'll get a deal you know, I'll give you names, I'll give you locations, I'll get, you know, so like, to give some of the families that are looking that don't know what happened to their family member, give them some closure. Um, 
So I understand that aspect, but that's the only thing that I ever read that kind of gave me pause of like, which is a whole nother issue. Like you, like, you know, like you said, honestly, we do need to have a separate podcast to talk about that crap because yeah, the whole death penalty, like the whole organization of it is yeah, messed up. It, it's a mess. It's and he's still alive. Like you said, he's yeah. still alive and over at least day. 48 of his victims, probably up to 70 are not. Yeah. Um, I have one more side note. Um, that I just thought was interesting and it's not really about the case, but uh, there's a piece of artwork by Phil Hansen who created a display of depict a display uh, depicting Gary Ridgway's face made out of a thousand seven hundred and ninety two portraits of his 48 victims oh, that wow. he that was created in 2004. I think you should look at it. It's really cool. That's I mean, awesome. it's not cool as his face, but like it's basically I thought it was like all of his victims make him you know what I mean the serial killer I just thought it was mm-hmm. interesting that is a really cool perspective type picture mm-hmm. but yeah this guy was no good no good all right guys so this has been murder obsessed I'm Katrina I'm Sydney and I'm Chloe stay listening stay obsessed stay murder obsessed but not like the Ridgeway with being obsessed with murdering join us next week when the fabulous sydney is going uh, is going to be talking to us about who um i'm hoping i'm pronouncing her name right it's janine jones oh i've never heard of her yeah me neither mm-hmm. so i'm excited me to too. dive into this case thanks for listening guys bye, bye. later So I have two children, as you know, if you, I've probably talked about them in my podcast and with my first son, I was about 10 months postpartum and I was working out at home and I was hating it. My dog thought that it was playtime. My kid didn't understand why he could not use me as a jungle gym while I was trying to do a plank. I was just ready to give up. Well, a friend told me to go check out the YMCA, our local branch in Parkersburg. I'm like, listen, I can't. I don't have a babysitter. Even if I had a babysitter, I don't have the money to pay for childcare, like, to go to the gym. Don't worry. YMCA has free childcare. And when I tell you that they have free childcare, I'm telling you, my kids love the daycare there. My kids are very outspoken, very talkative, and they love going there. They ask me, are we going to the daycare today? Are we going to go to the daycare? Because it's actually really good people in there with your children and it's free with a membership I was like well I don't know what to do I'm new to weight loss and I just I really don't know where to start they have an epic class schedule with so many fun classes now I teach a weightlifting class called strong Mondays and Wednesdays at 4 30 Twice a week, we focus on each muscle group, toning and strengthening these muscles with a little bit of cardio sprinkled in. But the YMCA has classes for whatever floats your boat. They have step, cycle, yoga, yoga, not yoga, yoga, Pilates, TNT, Zumba, and I mean like, and even more. Like I'm sure that there's more, like Aqua Zumba. There's so much more that I can't even think off the top of my head. Plus, they have a huge indoor pool, a sauna, 
hot tub, and of course, a massive weightlifting area, as well as, as, well as top-of-the-line treadmills, ellipticals, and more. We have affordable membership packages. Stop by today and get started on your fitness journey.